God. I really appreciate Clay uh, filling in for us, and and uh, with our worship team gone, it's always a it's always a pleasure to have Clay lead worship anyway. So we are uh, we're going to be in James, as you probably already noticed from the weekly verse. We're going to be in James chapter two today. Now, last week we were in Romans chapter six. In Romans chapter 6, it says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we talked last week about the eternal life being a gift. So how does James work into this? How does faith without works work into the gift of eternal life? We're going we're gonna to wrestle with that today. We're going to look at this verse and, and, the, and some verses around it and talk about how James really is not saying that, <coughs> excuse me, that eternal life is something we work for. That's not what James says. What James says is that our faith has to have evidence. It has to have action. It has to have works. And so we're going we're gonna to wrestle with that this morning. So I want to read actually quite a bit of context here because this this entire statement uh, is important. So we're going to start in verse 14 today, and it, and it is up here behind me, but we're going to start in verse 14 and work our way to uh, verse 26. Um, and we're going to do this as we have been doing all year with the study tips that I'm trying to ingrain into you so that every time you open your word, you're going to look at it and say, what's the context what are the so what's? So what does this say about God? So what does this say about me? And so what do I need to do now that I know this about God and myself? And then look, for, look at it phrase by phrase, and then look for the challenge and the comfort of the, of the passage. I'm, I'm hoping to instill this into you so that every time you open the Word of God, you will do these steps. You will, you will dig a little deeper and do these things. So let's read James chapter 2. Starting in verse 14, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such a faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. Senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works in offering Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by his works... Faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? 
For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So let's, let's t- kind of take our steps. Let's look at the context first. The context of these verses, uh, the, over, the, the larger context, the, the, the book of James. The book of James may actually be the oldest written book in the New Testament. It's written very, very soon after the death of Jesus. Some have it dated as, as early as 40 A.D., so it's, uh, it's probably one of the oldest books. It's written by, the scholars agree that it's, that it's uh, James, the brother of Jesus. He'd be a half-brother because he'd actually be Joseph's son, not God's son, but, he, but the brother of Jesus. Now, James did not believe in Jesus as the Christ until after the resurrection. So, and you can kind of see that, right? I mean, that's just his older brother, right? We, 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 know, we know faith and family are sometimes a strange mix. Sometimes we have a hard time leading our kids to Christ or our parents to Christ or, or others within our, uh, our family circle to Christ because they know us. James would have known Jesus very well because he was, Jesus would have been his older brother. So <clears throat> he did not come to know, know Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, until after the resurrection. At that point, he became a pillar of the church, as, as Paul calls him in Galatians 2.9. He calls him a pillar of the church. He's the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And as a matter of fact, he, uh, Paul gives him the credit for making the decision at the uh, Jerusalem council to send Paul to the Gentiles. Now, James would have been a Jew, as were, as were all of the disciples. And so the idea that the gospel of the, from the Jewish God of the Jewish man Jesus was going to go to the Gentiles would have been a, a strange thing. And yet James was, was the one that sent Paul and Barnabas off to do exactly that. So, so Paul gives him credit for being the, the one that made the decision to get the gospel to the Gentiles. That's you and I. So, now it, it, the book of James is kind of broken up into three parts. Now, I want to remind you that the chapters and verse numbers, they were added at like about the 1500s. So, so the, the way we have it numbered, it doesn't line up exactly with the way the book actually goes. The first part of this book, first part of James's letter, is about the authentic religion. What does genuine, authentic, real religion look like? And then he goes into what does genuine, authentic faith look like? And then the last section, it, which is sort of, uh, of chapters 4 and 5, is about what authentic, genuine wisdom looks like. So what James is about, and the reason I love James so much as a book, is it's about being authentic. It's about having a genuine faith. It's about authenticity. And so we're going to talk about the difference between authentic faith and a faith that's not. And that's really where we're at. That's really the immediate context of where James makes this statement that faith without works is dead. 
So what does this say about God? It says that God gives us a living faith. It lives within us. It should change your life. If it doesn't change your life, it's not the right faith. It's not an authentic, genuine faith if it's not, if it's not life-changing, life-altering faith. It is a living faith that God gives us in Christ. And so he expects that faith to work. Now, if you notice, the, 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 the title of this is Faith That Works. And I like the idea of, of asking the question, does my faith work? Because, because there's a lot of ways we can answer that question. We can answer that question with, with does my faith work when I'm, I face trouble? Does it work for me? Does my faith work when I'm alone and, and, not, and, and nobody's looking? Am I still doing the right thing? Does my faith work? And that's what God expects is a faith that works. A faith that changes you and changes the world around you. That's a faith that works. Now, as we have seen over and over again, this also tells us that God is about being before doing. Nothing in James says that we work for faith. We don't work our way to faith. That's not what it says. What it says is that if we have faith, it will cause works, being before doing. So faith in God changes us, and then it changes the world around us. It is a, a, a faith that works, works in us, and, and then to the world around us. So it's about being before doing. And God wants this faith that he gives us, this living faith in Christ, he wants it to transform us. And then he wants it to transform the world around us. We should, make, we should be different and we should look different. We should act different because of our faith in Christ. So what does this say about us? It says that we can have that kind of faith. We can have a faith that completely transforms us. I'll say again, as I've said many times on this platform, God does not put these, these verses in here to make you feel guilty because your life doesn't look like that. That's not why. What he does is he shows us what faith can be. He shows us what our life can be. We can have a faith that completely transforms who we are and then transforms the world around us because of it. Because it changes us. If you want to change what you do, you have to change who you are. This is something that, that Alcoholics Anonymous and, and Narcotics Anonymous, they get it. They get it. They, you don't stop drinking. You become a non-drinker. You become somebody different so that you do things different. We can have a faith that does that. We can have a faith that transforms us that much. It's possible for us. And our faith can and will change the world around us also. It isn't just here for you. It is here for you and everybody in, in your circle of influence. Everybody that you come in contact with will know faith, will know your faith. Even if they don't come to faith in Christ, they will know you have faith in Christ because it has transformed you and will begin to transform the world around you. It's possible for us to have 
that powerful of, a, of faith. And it says that our faith should show. It should be visible. It should be life-changing. If it is not life-changing, it may not be authentic. It may not be genuine. Faith in Christ should be transforming. And so it should be visible in our lives. So what do we need to do? We need to check our faith against this. We need to check our faith and make sure it's authentic and genuine and living. And you know, we need to listen to God. If we have a living faith, and, and a faith that God expects works to come out of, that, a, a faith that causes us to do things, then we need to listen for God's voice when he's telling us to do things. You know that, uh, you know that little voice inside your, your, uh, your head when, when you see something that kind of breaks your heart and you think, man, somebody needs to do something? If you hear that voice, it's probably you that needs to do something. Your faith will, will, will talk to you. God will talk to you through your faith and tell you what he wants done. We need to listen for that voice. And we need to do it. We need to remember that the, the God we have faith in, that Christ gave his all for us. And he is the creator and sustainer of the universe. So if, if he's telling us that he wants us to do something, we need to do it. We need to get after it. Because it's his power we're going to do it in. So let's look at this kind of uh, uh, phrase by phrase. For just as the body without the spirit is dead. Now think about this. Think through this metaphor. He's using the, the, the metaphor of a body without a spirit. Now, he is not talking about the Holy Spirit here. He's talking about a life force. The Greek word used here is the life force that animates a body. It's what leaves when, the, when somebody dies. So what he's comparing here is the idea of, of a, a body with no life in it isn't really useful. A body with no life in it isn't a person anymore. And a faith with no life in it isn't useful either. It's not real. It's not genuine. It's not authentic. And so it, it's really not real. Now, we understand that the, the Holy Spirit is who animates us. We have a spirit within us, but it is replaced. It is energized. It is, it is animated by the Holy Spirit. That's the voice we hear. That's the power over sin that we have because we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so this, this spirit within us causes us to transform and to transform the world around us. The Holy Spirit does that for us. So also, faith without works is dead. Faith without evidence is not faith. It's that simple. If there is no evidence of your faith in your life, your faith isn't real. It isn't authentic. It isn't genuine. That's the message of James. That's the message of, of about uh, uh, pretty much all of chapter 2 of James and part of chapter 3. That if your faith is not causing you to change, then your faith isn't real. Faith in Christ will transform you.
You cannot encounter God and not be changed by it. You cannot encounter God in His Word and not be changed by it, not be transformed by it. It's not possible. So a faith that, is, that, that has no evidence is useless and dead. Faith by its very nature transforms and goes outward. You know, even if it, it, your faith is misplaced, even if your faith is in yourself, it will show in what you do. Because what you do will glorify yourself if your faith is in yourself. But if your faith is in Christ, then it will glorify Christ. What you do will glorify Christ. There will be evidence of your faith, whatever your faith is in. Is there evidence of, of your faith, uh, of the faith of children in Santa Claus? Yes, there is. Starting about October, right? There's evidence of that faith. There is evidence of faith, and that evidence will point to what your faith is. That evidence will show what you actually have faith in. If your faith is in Christ, it will transform you, and it will transform the world around you. You know, in my, in, in my experience, the way you see this, have you ever, are you the one, when you walk into a group, and they're telling a dirty joke, they, they, start, they, they suddenly go quiet? Your faith's showing. Are, are you the one that, that people just naturally gravitate to when they have a problem? You know, I'm, I'm just really struggling with this. Your faith is showing. Those are works that show your faith. Our faith needs, needs to have evidence to be real. And if it's faith in Christ, it will be evident. It will be real. So if you, you're answering these questions with a no, you're thinking, no, really hasn't changed me much, then I want you to, to think through some other questions, and that is, is my faith genuine? Is my faith authentic? Is my faith really in Christ, or is it in me, in myself? Is my, does my faith work? Oh, I like that last question, as I said earlier. Does my faith work? Because a faith, this is a question that you can ask and, and, and on a lot of different levels. Does my faith work when I am alone? Do I still do the right thing? Is it still transforming to what I do even when nobody's watching? Does my faith work when I'm facing troubles, when, when life is hard? And I have news for you. Even for the Christian, life is hard. We face battles. Does your faith work for you in those battles? Does your faith work? Does my faith work through me to others? Does my, is my faith evidenced by how others, how I treat others and how others treat me? Does my faith work? That's the question James asks. And that's a question that you and God have to answer. So what are the, the comfort and the challenge of this passage? The comfort, as always, is God is about being before doing. He wants us to have faith. He wants us to trust him. It's about being before doing. 
He does not say, work your way to faith. He does not say, work your way to me. He says, have faith. And that faith will change you. And it will change the world around you. There will be evidence of it. It will be works. It's always faith before works. Belief before doing. Before action. Always with God. Always. It's also, another comfort of this verse is that we can indeed have a faith that transforms us. Most people come to Christ because they realize they've gotten to the end of themselves. They've gotten to the last of of the strength they have, and they need more. They They need more. They want life to be more than what it is. We can have that. We can have that in Christ. We can have a faith that transforms us, that saves us from ourselves, that saves us forever. We can have that kind of faith. And the comfort of this verse is that this this faith will transform us and the world around us. We need this world transformed. If you have watched the news at all this week, you know we need a faith that transforms the world. And this faith can. Faith in Christ can. So what's the challenge of this verse? The challenge of this verse is asking ourselves, does my faith work? Does my faith work? Does it work for me? Does it work in me and does it work through me to others? Does my faith work? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and just answer that question. It's you and God. You don't need to tell me the answer. You you and God need to figure this out. Does my faith work? Is it transforming me? Transforming the world around me? If it's not, if you don't have a faith that is is truly centered in Christ, you can begin today. Today. It starts with a simple prayer. A whole new you starting with a simple prayer that says, God, I know that I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I'm placing my faith in Jesus Because he died for my sin. He died to take my place on that cross. He died so that I might live. So I ask you to forgive me, not because of anything I can do or or have ever done, but because of what Jesus has done, his finished work on the cross. And I ask you to come into my life, empower me, give me this faith that transforms me and then through me the world around me. Give me this faith. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Or elbow your neighbor and let them know. Let one of our deacons know. Let somebody know that you came to a saving faith in Christ today. Christian, does your faith work? Or is too much of it in yourself and not all of it in Christ.
Settle that with God right now. Father, I thank you for this, your word. I thank you for the challenge that it presents. The challenge of asking ourselves, does our faith work? Help us to see. Give us eyes to see where our faith works and where it doesn't. Where it's misplaced. We thank you. And we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 10.30 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.